shortly after the performance, two Maryland high schools decided to tighten their rules just a little bit more, making students and their parents sign a contract in order to attend this year's homecoming dance. And written in ink is the full breakdown of the outlawed dance moves. That list now including twerking. Now we turn to the hacker who made headlines around the world with the most dramatic and extensive intelligence revelations in history. Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Since the White House will not give them the truth that they know is out there, the group behind that petition is now turning to another branch of government to uncover the real evidence. Sort of. They're sort of approaching Congress, but, well, they've decided to hold a fake congressional hearing. George Zimmerman. Paula Dean. Duck Dynasty's Phil Robertson. Pope Francis. Now to talk more about Edward Snowden. The week started with Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. He says he has proof that the Yeti is in fact real and its descendants are alive. Yes, I have some little crack cocaine. But no, do I? Am I an addict? No. When have, you have I tried it? Um, probably in one of my drunken stupors. And now. Ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Banal of BanalofAmerica.com, coming at you here with a live edition of BOA Audio Season 8 at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, which I was just telling Greg, I really like a lot, actually. I'm kind of enjoying this. I feel fresher than normal. Usually I'm tired by the end of the day. And this is uh, the big year in review Festivus, the spectacular episode, as I called it uh, on the preview. It's when Greg Bishop and I sit down and perform our annual autopsy on the past year and try and dig out anything that's worth mentioning, worth remembering. Uh, And as I've already mentioned him twice, let me bring him here onto the show. Of course, I'm talking about the man behind the excluded middle, the author of Project Beta, and the host of the fantastic podcast Radio Mysterioso, and my good friend, and the man who has the record for most appearances ever on Banal of America, adding one more to the tally tonight or today. Of course, I'm talking about Greg Bishop. Welcome back, and thanks for coming on for another year in review uh, wrap-up, Greg. It's always great to be invited back. Uh, I thought Stan Friedman had the record. No, I think you best him, because you do two shows a year. You're also on the baseball one. so. Oh, that's right. You're pacing Friedman. Yeah. <laughs> You know that introduction? It sounded like Snowden discovered the Yeti, the way it was edited together. That was the joke. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of that as I did it, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. People might think I'm I'm confused, but that was the... uh, (laughs) Your audio editing has gotten exceedingly professional sounding. Well, thank you very much. Um, Well, welcome back to the show. Give us a brief update, you know, on what you've been doing in the last year. People haven't heard from you since the baseball special... uh, you know, what's been cooking? Mm, nothing horribly interesting on the paranormal or UFO front. I'm still interested in it. I'm still doing my show. That's probably like the little thread that keeps me hanging on. Um, although I've got some projects sort of sitting on the – one is cooking. One is on the back burner for books, which I won't talk about because otherwise that will make me do do even less of it. Yeah. And uh, – um, Geez, nothing else. I, I got promoted at work to management, which really screws up my schedule, and uh, for doing all this other stuff. And um, 
uh, got my pilot's license on October 12th. So that's the that's that's most of the year. Nice, <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Thank you. I've, yeah, we've talked about it in the past. So you've now you can fly on your own. Uh, I could do that before. Now I can fly with with oh, with, with uh, <laughs> unskilled <laughs> yeah. people in the airplane with me. Oh, nice. Or at least people that don't know how to fly a plane. All right. Um, so 2013, we've uh, we put it in the rearview mirror. Pretty exciting. I don't know what I think of the year. It was kind of an odd uh, odd year. I feel like there yeah, were a lot keep, of big stories, good yeah. stories in a way. I keep seeing people with the you know, end of year, and they're kind of like. Usually, people will say this year sucked or this year was great, and there wasn't really any of, of that. It was just normal. A couple of people said, "Oh yeah, this year sucked," but that's their personal. In two thousand one. At the end of 2001, I saw a guy with a shirt that said 2001 sucked because apart from the, you know, the the uh, you know, World Trade Center and uh, Pentagon thing, uh, 9/11, it was it, it was pretty terrible for everybody it seemed. But this year it just seemed kind of normal and it's like any other anything really where you put your own interpretation on it and whatever you put on it basically will stick because it's kind of all over the place. Uh, yeah. Highs and lows. I, guess. I don't know. I can't think of any highs, but that's just me being pessimistic, I guess. There weren't too many highs, but it was an odd, it was an odd year in a sense. I mean, we didn't get the uh, – well, actually, it was pretty standard for, for the paranormal. I mean, we didn't get any of the big breakthroughs that we always want, but we didn't seem to get any closer either. But it did seem like we got, we got revelations of sorts. Uh, you know, I was telling you, talking to you about this before we start. So I wrote this year in review thing to kind of get my thoughts out there, so I wouldn't ramble too much here on the actual live show. And I, as you can see, we'll go through the list from the biggest stories. As I was explaining to somebody else the other day, we we've long since given up on the idea of picking some of these crappier stories and just explaining why they don't matter because that that no one no one wins in that scenario. Yeah, plus people were complaining about it. What are you doing? You don't like you're not interested in anymore because I titled that one show we did. Why don't we care about UFOs anymore? Or something like that. Oh, oh, are we finally bored with UFOs? And a lot of people got irritated with that. And I thought, well, I I was honest about it. I'm bored with most of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the year in review special has we're getting really mad at here, but it's shifted towards more <laughs> overall looking at the year and and all that stuff because. It's hard to – it's disingenuous to stuff a program full of the best UFO stuff because all we're doing is carrying water for ufology, and I'm not interested in doing that. <laughs> chopping wood and carrying water. Oh, no, I think somebody else is chopping wood. I don't know. Probably the old, the old, the old standbys are chopping wood, yeah. Um, so I picked for my big story of the year, uh, aside from Rob Ford, who I, I would give my man of the year, who would share it with uh, – with this guy, Edward Snowden. I just think that was easily the biggest story of the year because it had the most impact on the actual world, but it also sort of had a foot in the conspiracy camp, you know? Yeah, and the UFO camp. Exactly, yeah. It was the only story that actually made any impact, and it, people are still talking about it. It's, it was really kind of a transformative story, and you don't really get those too often, so... Yeah easily had to be the top story. It's kind of bland in a way because it doesn't involve aliens or Bigfoot or anything, but in the world of the esoteric, it has to be. I can't see any other story that's even remotely as important. I don't think so. Not not, not in the long term, no. Um, 
the last thing I remember about reading about him it was an article about his neighbors and his mother or something like that, and how his neighbors said, oh, he's, he was always so suspicious. And now, since he lived in Virginia, which is a hotbed of, you know, at least near near D.C., a hotbed of government supporters, they, everybody, all of his neighbors said, oh, he's a horrible traitor, uh, at least the couple they talked to. It's like, are they saying that because they think that, or are they saying that because they think that that's what they're supposed to say and they're being watched anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just they yeah well they get their paychecks or someone they know does from the government so they they're firmly on the government side um, yeah I dismissed it at fir- I didn't dismiss it at first but I was kind of like well everybody already knew this but that was the point that was the I think that was kind of the amazing part of it all that that everyone knew it and then all of a sudden everyone was talking about it, it was like whoa this is not something you normally see. Yeah, I just saw an article about. Uh, I think it was uh, it was linked by somebody on Facebook from Der Spiegel, um, <laughs> the German, hmm. the basically the German Time magazine, or I don't know what the equivalent is. But anyway, the there was a huge article on, and you had to be kind of computer and systems literate to really understand it. But just all the back doors that were were possible and. All the you know hardware, software, remote, everything. If if somebody's targeted, um, I'm 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 starting to think. You know, if you think logically about it, if you try to, and I try to, or maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better. Um, why would anybody care, even if they could listen to everybody's phone and whatever messages? That it, it's just way too much to go through. All the email, all the phone calls, all the so they look for, you know, uh, what's the word, key, key words and phrases and all that. Yeah. But then, you you know, and so you think, well, you know, what? It's, it's a horrible, you know, if you're not doing anything argument, which I hate, but you sort of have to lean on that one. But then on the other side, you think like, you know, the movie Brazil, the one with the Terry Gilliam movie where there's so much control, so much um, monitoring of people that stupid bureaucratic screw-ups can get people in horrible trouble. Yeah. Um, even if they've done nothing. And that, that that's part of the frightening part of it. I mean, apart from the fact that everybody is probably watched most of the time, at least passively, um, the potential for abuse is what scares everybody. And, you know, as as is my excluded middle view, on the one side I think, well, so what? And the other side I think, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the scary part as I was thinking more about it is... It kind of shows you just how far gone this whole system is, and it seems like it would be pretty difficult to extract ourselves from whatever is going on. You know, They might be like, well, we're going to shut this down, but it's almost like this new normal situation where it's always – you always got to watch your back. It's like being a celebrity, how they always have these these videos where they say something, you know, out of control, and it becomes a big scandal. It's like we're all we're all the victim of someone with a camera phone now. Yeah, and I used to. I went through this. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I went through this horrible, terrible, like year period of being ridiculously paranoid. This was like ten years ago, maybe longer. When somebody told me that the every this guy from the government who said he was and probably was told me that I, my computer could be watched, my screen could be read remotely. This was in the mid nineties. Yeah or late 90s, my screen could be read, computer screen could be read remotely. Um, 
I thought I saw people like across the street taking pictures of my house. Uh, I, there were there were people opening my mail. That was that was undoubted, uh, undoubtable to me. Uh, and so I went through this horrible period, and then I came out of it thinking, well, I'm you know, I, they can't get me on anything, so I guess I'll just ignore it. Yeah. And that and that heavily shapes my opinion of it because I've just been, I've just assumed I've been watched for a long time, just for a lot like a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah. And I I kind of live with it in that sense, but on the on the other side, like I said, it's the potential for abuse is huge. So or, or mistakes, which is almost worse. Yeah, you figure there are going to be mistakes in that sense. You kind of yeah. shudder to even imagine what they might be. Well, that like I said, yeah. that's the scary part. We all kind of knew what was going on. We didn't really, we really want to know how the sausage is being made. See, it tricks you, you know. They said <laughs> the other day. Good analogy, yeah. You know, they said the other day, like, that packages are being intercepted and, you know, tagged with with spy stuff. It's like, what is yeah, going on Yeah, the actual systems that are being shipped to people, yeah, they, they get intercepted and backdoor crap is put in them, yeah. And what I mentioned, I'm interested how you see this tying to the UFO thing, because I, I saw it as sort of a quasi-template for how the disclosure could or might happen. You know, where there's this big revelation, everyone's talking about it, people have opinions and care about it, but they also go on with their daily lives. Yeah, we've talked about this before. It's going to be if that does happen and it won't in the way that people think it will. Right. If it does. Um there'll be a period of adjustment and then everybody realizes their lives really haven't changed that much. Extremely paranoid and impressionable people will go nuts because they will anyway. But most people <laughs> will think, I got stuff to do and I've never even seen any of this stuff, so it doesn't really affect me. And probably Anybody, any pundit out there giving their opinion will say the same thing. Does this affect your daily life? No. Are these things, whatever they are, and you know, affecting everybody or affecting world events or anything like that? Not really, because if they were, we might be in a lot better or a lot worse shape than we are. So why bother worrying about it? It's like finding an unusual animal that can communicate with you. Um, occasionally, in a much deeper way than other animals can, I guess. But that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would definitely be number one story for next year if we could do that. That'd be awesome. That'd well, how did be you see one it? story for a century or something? <laughs> I suppose. How would you see? How do you see this connecting to UFOs? So kind of what I was saying, or do you see an, an additional layer here? Uh, a UFO. I, layer? for some reason, thought there was something in the in the literature or the the stuff that he released about them being interested in the UFO thing but not really caring that much, like monitoring it when, of course, the government says they don't care about it at all. Um, it would be in their best interest to monitor it. And then the, the other thing that was part of that was um, if you want to – and that's all I have to say about the UFO thing with it. And the other part of that is the uh, part about the chemtrails. Yeah. Did you see that? You saw that, right? No, I didn't hear about the chemtrail part. I must have missed that. Oh, there's there's some chemtrail information in the in the NSA release. Weird. Um and the, what it was was and it sounds totally believable. It's very funny. And it, it and it takes what the what the conspiracy um group of people was saying and twists it a bit. What it was was that these that chemtrails were actually it they were trails being laid in the upper atmosphere by military and commercial, maybe more like commercial jet traffic. But the reason for it, and, you know, I, 
anytime somebody sees a contrail, say, look, chemtrail. It's like, no, a chemtrail is when there's like hundreds of, hundreds of them all over the sky. That's a little suspicious. Yeah. And it made me suspicious, too. But what the thing was, was that uh, what Snowden said or in, uncovered was that there was something being added to the fuel, like some company or companies were surreptitiously adding some kind of stuff into the fuel of, of commercial airplanes and maybe military, too, that would make the things hang in the air a little longer than they normally would just by, you know, turning into ice and then hanging in the air and then dissipating. Um, and the purpose of having these trails in the air longer than normal was to counteract global, global warming, at least over the United States. It sounds insane, but he said that, the, that he had evidence to prove that that was what was going on. Weird. I didn't hear that part of it all. Yeah, they didn't, uh, you know, if we, if the United States can't grow its own food and crops and all that, and the, the weather has changed that much, and we lose the ability to create enough food for everybody, we're going to be in, in deep doo-doo. So this was part of a kind of a benevolent um, conspiracy to to lower the temperature a little bit. But the, uh, the you know, the flip side of that, or the, you know, the, the pay the piper part was that the, um, Everyone Whatever had additives out. they had put in the fuel, they never really tested it to figure out yeah, exactly. what effect it had on the environment. Yeah, yeah. Besides just blocking out sunlight for a few hours. <laughs> That's why everyone uses those 99% germ-free uh, hand solutions now, because like, oh, we got to get these these things in so they don't die from the chemtrails. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've never really used those things anyway, but... I think the point of those is that it would just create, you know, superbugs because we're just, you know, killing them all with with alcohol and anything that could survive it would just become stronger. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, generally I was being I was being facetious, but that is kind of my theory on that all that it's that they, they they've overwhelmed people with this thing. It can't be good for you to for everyone to be using this uh, stuff. But who knows? Yeah, I have that basic feeling too, but it you know. I used to I used to not, but then as things go on and things get more nefarious and you find out more about how greed runs everything, you start to think, yeah, anything that's that's uh, being foisted on a larger part of the population can't be good for us. <clears throat> it's just it just it, I think it's just something that people a lot of people assume now, which hmm. is good. I mean, I I think I've been thinking like that most of my life, just because. Anytime there's more than two people at a, at somewhere doing the same thing, I get suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before like, about you. Yeah, like George Carlin said, you know, they, then they start getting little hats and sayings, and oh, yeah. then you got a bunch of people who don't think for themselves or question anymore. Um, well, you mentioned to me before we started that you had thoughts about how this all went down. We're going to really like smash the fourth wall. I thought that. I thought that as well. I mentioned it too. Uh, you know, you just. I, I'm always interested in that revelation of method idea, that if there really are secret powers that be, that part of the whole thing that uh, gets them off, for lack of a better term, is to let everybody know that they have everybody under their thumb. Um, that's sort of my nefarious interpretation of it all, but uh, I'm interested in your take on it, because you, you kind of said the same thing, or at least the base idea of it all, that that, that this whole thing was orchestrated, possibly. Yeah. I don't think that people that control what we see and hear and what we eat and whatever all that sit there and rub their hands together and say like an evil genius and, and giggle. Hmm. Uh, well, maybe some do. I don't know. But 
I think the best way to be able to do that kind of stuff and what they thrive on, and I know that um, uh, government like uh, spy, spook type people thrive on, is not being noticed. When they're noticed, they they get a horrible feeling like I've been caught. The biggest thrill is to not be noticed and to have that kind of a power. Um, that being said, uh, the, the main question you asked me was what I brought up earlier, and it's not um, original by any means, but when I first heard of the Snowden thing earlier this year, I just thought, the first thing I thought was, I wonder who orchestrated this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just my mindset. I look at stuff in a disinformation, you know, uh, uh, frame frame of mind. Usually, yeah. Uh, um, you know, wh- who stands to gain from this? Uh, what is really being said? Um, what impact does this have? How might it be that some of it is, some of it is, most of it is not true, but some of it is? Or conversely, I don't know what. You know, maybe a lot of it's true, but some of it isn't. Whatever, but enough to get people thinking in a certain way by revealing enough. Mm. You know what I mean? It's the same thing I have with you know when I ran, I ran, uh, brought that drone down and said that they hacked the software and made it land, and they've got it now, and they've they're trying to reproduce it. And yeah. The first thing I thought was, huh? I w- I wonder how. Uh, I wonder how likely it is, and I thought it was pretty likely that they just sent a drone in and, and basically set it left it there as a sitting duck and put a bunch of crap in it that made no sense and that was would lead people down the wrong path. It's like here, have this. Yeah, fine. Yeah. You you think you got it and you did it. All because all that happened, I heard in the news is when Obama said, "Could you please give that back?" And they said, "Are you kidding? No." And that was the end of it. Yeah, well, they might want people to. It, it could be kind of a way to stifle. Uh, well, uh, Red Pill Junkie mentions it here in the uh, in the chat. You know, people seem to they start tailoring their behavior, knowing they're being watched. So it yeah, exactly could be also yeah, sort of a psychological experiment of some kind. Or I don't know exactly. You know, I can't put my finger on it, but yeah, it, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's and the other side of it is anytime you hear about some kind of technology, and you know, this is this is tried and true, and a lot of people know this. The technology is somewhere between five and I mean between ten and twenty years ahead of where they they're announcing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and it depends on the technology. You know, when you're talking about aircraft or something, yeah, there probably are things that act like almost like anti grav if they're not. Um, by using, you know uh, technologies we have now, like lighter than air combined with, you know, uh, rockets or jets or something. Um, but in the case of Surveillance, you know, what kind of surveillance is available? Um, I think anything you can imagine is is probably either working or close to it. It's spooky stuff. That's why I made yeah. it the number one story, because uh, it's the only story that actually got people to care about this kind of stuff. Yeah, good. they don't need to read a license plate from space anymore, although I bet they could. So, but, Yeah, why would they? <laughs> yeah. Settle a bet, maybe that's about it. But it's uh, it's <laughs> settle a bet. That's good. Yeah, it's spooky stuff. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, it, it like we said about the UFOs, though. I mean, the, the, everyone's scrambling to try and talk about it and figure it out and everything else, but nothing seems to change. They don't seem like they're going to stop doing it. And oh, who knows? You know, you just have to get used to the idea that what you're 
putting online or in an email or something might be being read by somebody. Yeah, well, I've thought that from the very beginning and assumed it on some stuff I was doing. I was pretty sure when I was doing the book magazine and working on the uh, uh, Project Beta book that people were, somebody was keeping track of what I was doing. Maybe not every second, but they're kind of keeping track of it. Because I was talking to people who knew those people, so why not? Um, But, you know, unless somebody comes and tells me to cut it out or I get threatened or something different happens in my life, I don't figure it's, unfortunately, don't figure I'm doing anything that important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if you're doing something important, then that's when people don't hear you suddenly change your tone or people don't hear from you again yeah and that doesn't happen real often you know i don't know oh there was the uh the journalist that ran into the tree here uh, that was uh talking about oh yeah i think i know well i know there was another guy that like allegedly shot his kids and then killed himself but everyone he's a 9-11 guy a lot of people yeah. thought that it was a whole inside job uh with that thing so there was some yeah. certainly, uh, well, you know, and, jumping yeah, there's gun, questions but. raised, but I think that it, ever since Nixon, I think that if somebody needs to be diverted, shut up, or whatever, they're basically their, you know, their attention is drawn elsewhere. Um, they're discredited, or they are embarrassed somehow. Yeah, and then that takes over their life. Exactly. They hire some woman to seduce them, and then the guy's wife breaks, uh, the marriage breaks down, and next thing you know, he's too busy to deal with, uh, you know, hunting Bigfoot. Right. I mean, I think assassination, murder, at least in the first world, was a long time ago done away with in favor of these other things. Yeah. Because it's just too messy and raises too many questions. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to touch on with the uh, with this thing before I move into the next one. Only that I, I I thought it was a big win for conspiracy folks, but who knows uh, what that means or if it if it helps at all or anything like that. It was just no, at least they were right it. about something for once, uh, for the most part, which is good a good sign, I guess. Yeah, well, every you know anybody that a lot of these people are right about a lot of the things, but I think you know the stuff, the craziest stuff. The you know aliens have a deal with the government and they're exchanging you know body parts for technology or something like that. It's like that's you know that gets into the that, that that's a fairly weird claim and there's no real way to back it up. But if you talk about something like everybody's being watched all the time through all their devices, that's pretty easy. That's a pretty easy leap. It's it's not only possible. I mean, we can do it ourselves to some extent. Yeah. Well, oh, okay, yeah, that that raises a whole other thing that I, I think is interesting uh, that I meant to mention earlier when we were talking about all this. So between that, it seemed like there it was a there was a year where a lot of weird stuff sort of happened on the Internet. Uh, I mentioned uh, in the year in review the Manti Teo thing as kind of a joke, but also that it sort of exposed just how weird the Internet is. And then with this whole thing, it makes, you, makes me concerned that I could totally see, I mean, you talk about maybe this was, orchestrated somehow maybe this is a larger problem reaction solution situation where they're like all right we're going to stop the nsa spying but only the way to do the only way to make that work right is if everybody has to thumbprint in onto the internet um you don't want them spying on you do you so you got to thumbprint in on the internet so there's no more anonymity you can't you know the next thing you know the internet's more regulated 
that's uh, you know, there's my conspiracy theory for for the year. That's a good one. I hadn't even thought of that, and that makes total sense. Yeah. Then it'll everyone, make, you know, make people shy away from the. Well, you know what? It'll make some people shy away from the internet. Most people won't. Those are the undesirables they want off anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. only way to get, you know, people say, how do we get out of this? How do we, you know, get rid of this? It's like, um, by planning ahead, putting a bunch of money aside, and leaving. I mean, going somewhere where you don't need any of this stuff and disconnecting from it. That's probably the only way to not be involved or not be tracked or whatever. Hmm. To go somewhere where you're not affecting anything. <laughs> you know what? We were at, um, speaking of people leaving the country, we were at a um, music um, club the other night, uh, Sigrid and I, my wife, and she said she thought she saw, who was it? John McAfee there. Oh wow! Because he's out, you know. They they he made some deal with the government. Uh, the the software guy who was in Belize, who was a yeah. You should have talked order. to him. He uh, he does a lot of these type shows. He could have been on your show. Yeah, maybe I should have bugged him in the club. I didn't think about it, but she was sure it was him because one, he came in with a group of people and then was sh- uh, shown upstairs to a private area. Two, he was wearing kind of like low key but expensive clothes, and three, he looked like him. Yeah. Dead ringer, she says. When he walked by us like a couple times going to the bathroom, she said, "That's him. I know it is." So I wouldn't even know who he looked like. So could, could I, I wouldn't either. I, I imagine he looks like Richard Branson for some reason, but I bet you he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you can look on his website. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, he does look a little bit like Richard Branson, except not as rich and not as unwrinkled and with shorter hair. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I got <laughs> I kind of got it right. All right. So if I was there, I would have been like, "Yeah, it's totally him," because that guy also looks kind of like Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that's that. We'll wrap up the the Snowden thing. It'll come back up again in a little bit, I'm sure. But like that, that's really the big thing uh, that I think was mm-hmm. the biggest news because it was it, it, people actually cared about it, and it was actually on the mainstream news. And you know, the, the, I made a short list, but let's get through your list. Okay, all right. We'll 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 uh, jump to the the DNA work of Brian Sykes. That was the big Bigfoot story of the year, which I thought was interesting and. Just to sum up this whole thing for people, uh, he's a world-renowned geneticist. He collected a bunch of, uh, a handful, let's say, of Yeti DNA samples from various Supposed. places. And What's that? Supposed Yeti DNA. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, tested it. Turned out it was a bear, but it was a, an out-of-place bear. It was an ancient bear that shouldn't have been around. Um, and he was confused by that himself. He offered a few theories to it. And the media generally said that uh, the Yeti mystery had been solved and that it was a bear. Yeah, but, Yeti mystery is now is bear. They're right. All, all Yeti and Bigfoot and everything everywhere are bears, apparently. Exactly. And didn't really get into the whole out-of-place animal part of it all. And then the, to, to couple that, to tie it all together, he also tested the famous uh, Zena DNA uh, via mm-hmm. Zena's relatives. Zena was allegedly... Um, some kind of like, let's say, uh, an, an offspring of the Bigfoot, um, they thought. And, and, yes. and I think it was like a domesticated Bigfoot. That was the general idea, a lady. Yeah. A, yeah. a domesticated lady Bigfoot. Yes. Jeez. From Russia. Exactly. From the 19th century. And it turns out that it was uh, just a, a sub-Saharan African woman, So, which yeah. says a lot about the, the culture of that time, wherever they were keeping this woman captive. Um, yeah. And yeah. then it also said, frighteningly, she had four children with area men. Hmm. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and There's a they, whole new subgenre of porno. <laughs> Actually, it already is. Bigfoot porno is big. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. They're they're pulling it off of Amazon as we speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just to, I, I got to give kudos to Red Pill Junkie in the chat room. He's sort of like our fact checker here because this is a super loose uh, year in review episode. So he, he's going to be on my show on Sunday. Oh, I was just thinking I need to have him on my show. So this is uh, Red Pill Junkie. You're. You're, you're falling into all kinds of trouble right now. But he, he pointed out it was Michael Hastings was the reporter that uh, died that you were talking about. Yes. And, yes. and that, that was basically like two miles from my house. Whoa. So we went over there a couple of days after, and there were flowers, and Sigurd got out and talked to somebody there. And, um, interesting case. Yeah. And uh, and the Almasti. They thought they thought that Zena was an Almasti, which is, a, as That's I said, it. an offspring yeah. of the Bigfoots. And they turned out that, as I said, it was just a lady... Um, and, and, and so it's a double, on one side, Big, Bigfoot kind of got, it got the short end of the stick because they gave it the Doug and Dave treatment and didn't really, uh, get into the whole weirdness of the mystery bear. And the thing, I think the Zane thing is good. I'm sure some people are, are mad because this classic story has been debunked or proven or solved, let's say. Yeah. Uh, it's not debunked, it's just been solved. And that's good. So that's. One yeah. less thing for people to waste their time on, you know. Yeah, that, that's what I'm interested in. I, I love that. I actually, I put a, I put up a comment that I left on a thread on Facebook, started by Norio Hayakawa, where I said, you know, I don't, I don't mind when stuff is explained. I, I think it's good, but hmm. the, the rush to explain things or the rush to believe is it. Well, well, rush to explain is also a kind of rush to believe. Um, is boring, stupid, and old and why can't we take each, even for five seconds, take each case on its own merits and see how it holds up and then get into, you know, was it possibly a hoax, whatever it is, or a misidentification or whatever it is. And probably most of the time, and as it turns out, things are misidentifications or mistakes or whatever. Hmm. But sometimes they're not. But the the rush to believe or the rush to uh, explain closes us off to things that might be, you know, interesting or hold water or um, be something that we didn't expect, which is the most ex- the most exciting thing to me. Exactly. And the final uh, aspect of that, that I wanted to mention um, was the DNA thing. We, the, the, the Melba Ketchum thing was huge still all year, and this DNA thing came towards the end of the year. It was the year of Bigfoot DNA. And yeah. I, at the end of the day, I just don't see how it, it works in the greater puzzle of solving this because even – I don't either because I don't think Bigfoot is a – that the Bigfoot is a actual, real, physical, living in the mountains, ancient, leftover thing. I really don't think it is. You think it's like an interdimensional creature? Yeah, it's something that we can't, we don't have a handle on physically because it's not always physical all the time. And it's a funny way to put it, and it sounds like I'm all woo-woo and all that, but that's the only thing that makes any sense in light of, if you look at everything associated with the Bigfoot legend. Yeah. Well, I think Nick introduced the idea, well, he didn't introduce it, but Nick... uh talked about the idea of uh Nick Redfern talked about the idea of the sort of tulpa thing. It could be a tulpa. For all mm. we know it could be a ghost. You know, who knows? Yeah. So, but uh, uh, regardless, the DNA is not going to help at all because either they're yeah. going to find it matches something else or they're going to be we don't know what it is. Unless they can take DNA, which I don't think they can do because that would be awesome. Unless they could take like a scrap of DNA and put it in a machine and out pops a little 3D model of what it came from. Yeah. 
then I don't see how... You write movies there, Tim. Jeez, that's great. That sounds perfect. <laughs> that Someone needs to work on that, whoever is in genetics. Come up with the Ooh. 3D printer of DNA thing, and uh, you know, then we'll be able to solve all kinds of stuff. But until that happens, I don't see how DNA will work unless it's part of a bigger puzzle to the whole thing. Yeah, because they've gotten stuff that definitely is the DNA of whatever it is, and it's either something normal or the strange, inconclusive um, label they give to some of them, like it's been contaminated or we don't know or it's got some human in it or whatever. Yeah. It's like no known hominid. It's like, well, great, thanks, but, you know, that doesn't take us anywhere further. Um, Okay, we'll keep going because I'm excited because you told me you have stuff too, so... The the I did three a little research, yeah. All right, no, now I built it up. So <laughs> that's that's it for Bigfoot. Except for I, I have it in the hotter knots, and just that uh, Bigfoot's still really popular. I think it's almost it's getting closer to displacing ghosts as the go to uh, weird weird TV now. Uh, okay, we'll put that as the end. Is um, what's going to be hot this year? Bigfoot, yeah. even hotter. Even hotter. Um, talking about sort of apathy and spinning on the treadmill. The next topic is uh, the citizen's hearing on disclosure, which I think I've been miswriting. I think it's the citizen hearing on disclosure, but that that kind of sums up my take on it right there. Uh, I, yeah. I, I call it the impotent pomp and circumstance of today's ufology. It's all, it's, all, uh, it's all a big show without any real development into into advancing things, I don't think. I think it was just a big show. Kudos for putting on a big show, but it it's you know it's like a preach to the choir sort of situation here, and also preach to people that you've paid to come and listen to your to your thing. It's almost yeah. it's almost like a timeshare situation, you know. Do these Congress people yeah. get free t- free radios or something, or a free TV after they attended the citizen hearing? That's I'm, yeah. I'm wondering. <laughs> the citizen hearing on on timeshare disclosure, uh, the timeshare hearing on disclosure. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you well, you said you you knew people that went there, and that people on the panel had different opinions on the whole thing. I'm interested in all that. Um, my general just take to sum- summarize the whole thing was that the media coverage ranged from they were reading it as a press release. You know, the articles were like read like press releases, or they were making fun of it. And yeah. to contrast that with the with the NSA thing. People talked about it and cared about it. So there you see the difference. There's the gulf for the people who are interested in this, all these subjects and where we need to go from one place to the other. We need to get from Citizen Hearing to Edward Snowden. We need to to leap over that huge canyon uh, of public disinterest and making people care about all that. Um, yeah. you know, well, so, nobody's going to care until their lives are affected somewhat in, in, some, in some basic way. Hmm. Don't care a lot in the short term if that happens, but... As we've talked about before, I don't think there's anything – there's not nothing to disclose. But what there is to disclose is not what people want or expect. That's what I. That's my gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the process that's not the right way to do it. You know. Yeah. I mean, what are the – what the disclosure is, there's something that's not human. It interacts with us occasionally. Past that, who knows? And, then, you know, you could also argue that um, – all these military people that came forward and said, yes, we saw, you know, this thing land or this thing get out or whatever. Um, it's not, 
you know, not everybody can experience that. So you're assuming something that has happened that nobody has any handle on except for from science fiction movies and stuff. <clears throat> so, you know, how to, it's exciting these people say this stuff, but there's no real way to verify it because not every, you can't just show that to anyone. It's just somebody saying, I saw this one time. Not that they're lying, just that it's inconclusive because you can't reproduce that for anybody who wants it. And at, at, at that point, it's just it's meaningless to most people, except for people that are interested in it. You know, self fulfilling. Right. And, that's the thing. The, the the leap is to get the people who don't have an who have an opinion to change their minds, or the people that can't be bothered to know about it, to care enough to listen. Yeah, and it, if if it doesn't affect anybody's life in a very direct way on a daily basis, or not even daily basis, or in some direct, deep way, it, nobody will care after a while, just like they don't now. Uh, just integrate it into their worldview. Like the, my analogy is people have bombs dropped on them daily sometimes, and they just integrate it. It sucks, and it's terrible, and it, it causes lasting psychological damage, but they just integrate it and go on. Well, what else are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah, what else are you going to do? You still have to go to work. It's not like everybody's going to go, oh, aliens are here. Let's just not go to work, church, uh, you know, school, whatever we have to do. <laughs> That's not going to happen. It'll happen to a few people who are unstable, but most people are just like, well, I don't see it. I don't see it around. I don't, you know, it's not affecting me, so whatever. And that people will be told that, too. It's not affecting you, so why worry about it? Um, when it does affect you, we'll all know, won't we? Some of the people there were helpful, and it was you know good information and stuff that people should pay attention to. And other th- people were, you know, verging on batshit crazy, and that just makes it look make the whole thing look not as appealing as it normally would, or as you would like it to be. Um, and that was that opinion was shared by some of the people who were actually there to give testimony. They were kind of sorry that they were put on stage with with people who they didn't think were credible or at least sounded credible. That's par um, for the course with people in UFO. I mean, like you can't get everybody on there to be on the same page. And, and, yeah, and, well, and the people that organized it could have. I that's suppose. true. No, that's true. Well, I linked to the story in the Washington, no, the New York Daily News, uh, in my year in review piece, that it was like they showed people in the audience. And, I mean, God bless this guy. I don't know, you know, thank you for your service, sir. I don't know his name here. Let me scroll down and get it. Retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Billy F. Woodward, wearing a shirt that says Telos, Hollow Earth, and he has a headband with a little flower or something on it, and some kind of, uh, I don't know, he's pulling up his camera strap in some kind of demonstrative way. And it's like, who, someone should be at the door and be like, sir, you know, Billy, I understand, and, I respect your take on Telos and everything, but here's the $800 you paid to get here. Turn around, go back to your hotel. We don't want you anywhere near people that are going to have uh, cameras or recovering this event because we're trying to get Congress to take us seriously. Yeah, well, it's it's not going to happen, I don't think. But it, it's one of those things, you know, where I will respect um, Bassett for putting it together right. and the, his his thinking. I'm not a fan of his execution, and I don't know if I ever have been, but I, I respect you know the, what's behind it, what what he's trying to accomplish, and that that's great. But it, it's even with you know even with the, in the best of circumstances, it's hard to keep 
things away from it that are going to make people point and laugh. I mean, it's almost the subject is almost you know predestined to have people point and laugh, um, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of serious parts of it that people aren't aware of. Just like the you know the Bigfoot thing we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot to point and laugh at, but there's a lot of stuff in there that um, raises questions about who we are, how we perceive things, what our belief systems are, all that stuff, how things might need to change in the way that we gather evidence, whatever. But there's, And that's hard to explain in a soundbite, which is kind of why it's dead on the launch pad, as, as William Burroughs said about a couple of things once. The other weird thing about this disclosure thing is I saw uh, – everybody knows who Travis Walton is, right? Of course. I saw him in L.A. earlier this year <clears> – <throat> And we were hanging out for a little while, him and his uh, girlfriend, Jillian. And this was right when the hearing was going on, I think, within, like, it was at the end of the week it was going on. And I asked what he thought about it. And uh, I I was kind of surprised at what he said. Travis Walton, one of the most famous UFO abductees ever, he said, said, it's going to be exciting for a while, and then nobody's going to care next week. And I agreed with him 100%. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he said he was sorry that's the way it was, but that's just, he wasn't really, he didn't have great hopes for it. So he is a very nice guy, really. He's he's really quiet, soft-spoken, unassuming, like all those words you would you would. Oh no, he's a wicked nice guy. I was uh, I was really impressed when I had the chance to talk to him. He's a yeah. he's a good guy. Yeah. So he's had a weird that life. That was his take on it. Like completely not you know in 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 a, in two words completely useless or mostly useless. <laughs> yeah, I I it's beating a dead horse here. You know we've talked about this every year on the year in review. Um, yeah. You know better public relations. Credible celebrities, not the Kardashians. <laughs> you know they did a Kardashians go to Area 51 episode, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. They went to. Uh, Why would they take them out there? It's all hot and terrible, and it's not near any you know facilities or stores. No. Apparently, Travis was part of the Kardashian special. So. I'm know. sorry. Hey, people got to eat, so I understand. That's right. You know, but at the same time, it's. I just don't think it's a overall for the best for everybody in in the field to be just associating with that kind of thing, letting those people in the UFO events. If you want to be taken seriously, you got to be serious. So, yeah, that's I mean, kind of the best way to put it. You're at the bottom of a well, and if you climb up, uh, you climb up two feet, and a wacko jumps on your back and drags you back, you know, a foot and a half, that, or actually drags you back three feet, then. You know, why don't you just kick that wacko off your back next time you try to climb out of the well, or you know, lock him out of the well, or whatever you want, whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah. Um. Let me see here what I had on the notes. Some of these people in the chat, they they ask questions, I have to respond to them. Um. That's probably why I don't have a chat during my show because I have to pay attention to that. <sighs> well, luckily that's how I found I'm out lazy, we were off the you're air. Not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm lazy and you're not, so that's good. <laughs> well. What does it say? This is this is my other big heartbreaker of the whole thing. I said, you know, it's it's emblematic of the of of the impotent pomp and circumstance. But what does it say about the the state of UFO science? Can this go any further? Is there anything we can do? I mean, we've talked off the air about the need for some statistical uh, examination of all this, but beyond that, it's have we reached the plateau? That's all you can do, really, though. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's all you can do, really. You can't produce it on demand. You can't reproduce it. You can't, you know, it's like, you know, Bigfoot or ghost hunting. Kind of, you just kind of have to be there when it comes by. Looking for, you know, a strange animal or an undiscovered one, you just kind of have to be there when it comes by. The thing is with animals, at least, you know, animals are, you know, if you see an animal, it's like, well, that's an animal. So, you know, we just have to integrate it into our idea of animals. But for, you know, these paranormal things like UFOs, they, you don't have, there's, there's nothing to integrate it into except for stuff that we've thought up already ourselves. So it's kind of hard to make a science out of it. And so the only thing left is like, you know, Bigfoot prints. Mm. You know, what's le- what are we left with when a UFO comes by? A witness testimony and maybe some physical stuff. So we know that in some sense it is physical occasionally, just like Bigfoot. And we know we, we know that people see these things on a fairly consistent basis over, you know, the entire history of humankind, probably. So, you know, what it, the only way to deal with it that I can think of right now until somebody smarter comes along and, and comes up with a new thing is to look at the footprints, look at what's left behind, look at what people say, and look for patterns in that. And the only way you can do that is by analy- exhaustively analyzing as much information as you, su- as you can possibly get in one place, or you know, at least for a study. Mm. <clears throat> and I don't know, I think, I th- think that's about all that can be done about it at, at the moment. Or you can do something that I've heard that a few people have done, and this is not a la Stephen Greer standing there and chanting and shining lights up in the sky, but I thought this was really innovative. Um, A group of people, or a few people, separately, I think, were trying to change, what was it? They were trying to change what was expected, Mm. like, we are going to see this, in an effort to, in some way, it was almost like ritual magic, change the way we look at the phenomenon in a basic way to see if the phenomenon would react to it. How so? Explain this. I'm confused. Like you would you would say um, um, the, the, in a real simplistic way that next time you see it, that anybody sees something flying through the air, it's going to be you know um, uh, shaped like a you know a, a a guitar amp or something you know or okay <laughs> just yeah. push putting a an idea in front of the phenomenon so that it may stick to that idea. Interesting. You know what I mean? I think and then so. you get a handle on, oh, maybe it is really, it does have a lot to do with what we expect and what and meaning we put on it. And that, that you know, that that would be a way to, in some way, experiment with it. But uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm, I don't have the, the brain power, the wherewithal to figure out how to create that kind of experiment, but it's some, apparently some people have tried it with not not too much success, or I don't know about any. I have no idea, but I've never even heard of this. This is bizarre, but I kind of like it. I, I think it's a great idea. Wow. I mean, uh, maybe I should organize something. I don't know. It'd be like the uh, the uh, calling occupants thing that uh, Albert Bender did in the 1950s, um, where everybody that was a member of the International Flying Saucers Bureau was supposed to meditate at a certain time on a certain date and then, you know, coordinated by, you know, what time it was in different countries. Because there were people in England and New Zealand and Japan or whatever that were members of the thing. They just, he he had this meditation he sent out in the newsletters that everybody memorize this and then just sit down in a quiet place and beam this out, you know, mentally. And it was that calling occupants of interplanetary craft thing. We are your friends, you know, we want to make a contact. 
um, that's in that Carpenter song. But did it ever? Did you know, that happen? was an early attempt to do that, I think, or just to make some sort of contact. Did anything happen? Nope. No, as far as I know, nothing really happened. No. Yeah. Weird. Um, except to Albert Bender, who's had all kinds of weird stuff happen to him or claim to. He still lives in L.A. somewhere near the airport. You should get him on your show. That would be awesome. He will not talk to anybody. In fact, if you go over and mention UFOs to him, it probably... I, I actually had it... I put it up on uh, Facebook one time. I said, who wants to go over and get thrown off of Albert Bender's front lawn with me? <laughs> Is that intense? So wait a minute. What happened to him? What Did he... Do they leave him behind? Do he change his mind? What, what, that's just fascinating. I'm, I'm really in, well. He, crazy. he, he, he got scared off it. That's the whole Men in Black thing. Ah, that's where that legend started. If somebody came, some he said some group of people came to him and said, "You, you know, you found, you, you've solved it. You've solved the UFO enigma, and now you have to shut up about it." Um, and he stopped the Flying Saucer Bureau. He sent out an e- he sent out an email, right? Yeah. He sent out a letter to everybody saying. <laughs> He that um, he had been told to stop, and he was very nervous and scared, and he wasn't going to be doing the International Flying Saucers Bureau anymore. And after that, he left Bridgeport, Connecticut, where all this happened, moved to California, and started the Max Steiner Appreciation Society fan club. Who's Max Steiner? He was a film composer from the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, Bender was really into um, movies and horror movies and all that, so... Actually, not to get too far afield, but once I was doing, oh, my wife at the time was doing research at the Academy of Motion Pictures Library. So I was going through old issues of Variety or Hollywood Reporter that happened to be there, and I ran across from the early 70s a picture of Albert Bender on Hollywood Boulevard when they were giving Max Steiner his little star. I guess he had led, led the the charge. The, uh, the charge to uh, get him a star on Hollywood Boulevard. So when they put in the star, there was a picture of Albert Bender in this long coat with sunglasses on. He kind of looked like a Men in Black himself. Oh, my God. See, that's I, fascinating. I, yeah. So And apparently he still – and Jim Mosley published his address in Saucer Smear. About, <laughs> about a year before, before Mosley died, he published his address. Oh, my God. And it's God. near the L.A. airport, right, right near the airport down there in, you know, the, the L.A. International Airport. And I know where it is, but I'm too scared to go over there and say, uh, Al Bender, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, how do you approach him? I really like Max Steiner. You know, and then, like, kind of edge yourself into UFOs before he says, get out! <laughs> Just dress as a man in black and be like, I need, we need to talk about. <laughs> we need you back. We need you back in the community. So Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> no, I know. That would be sad. He's probably got to be, like, he must be in his 80s or something, right? Presumably, I don't he's know. He's in 90s, something like that, Jesus. unless he's died and we don't know. But somebody, uh, Mosley, uh, last year, early last year before he died, he said, not meaning 2012, right. he said that Bender lives here and he's still there and this is the address. There is even a picture of it from, uh, what's it called, Google? Um, Google Earth or whatever. Google Street, street um, View. Jeez. Like, here's Bender's house. Like, oh, God. Why would I wonder you, if anybody mean. actually went over there. I mean, it, it's a 20-minute drive for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stupid. I should go over there and bug him. Mate, I wanted yeah. to interview Orfeo Angelucci. I found out that he, the contact, yeah, I found out he died like a month before I thought that I wanted to interview him. Damn. Well, that's how it works. That's the, that's the uh, serendipity of this whole gig. Yeah. I, I called Gray Barker's house. In the late 80s, like 89, 
or maybe it was before that because I can't remember. He died in the mid '80s, but I he had his phone number in the book Men in Black: The Secret Terror Among Us. His home phone number was printed in the back of that book. That's badass. So I bought the book and I looked. And I was like, "That's Gray Barker's number." So I got <laughs> courage over a few months and I finally called and I said, "May I speak to Gray Barker, please?" And his mother answered and said, "Oh, Gray died last month." Oh, jeez. So I, I I don't want to think about interviewing anybody who's, who's old because they might disappear. <laughs> oh God! It's been a long time since that happened, but but those are the couple times something happened. I'm like, "God damn!" I wanted to talk to him. Oh man! To circle it back around to the the citizen hearing, apparently yeah. my understanding is they they won over the the uh, faux Congress. Apparently, who I've been told by the people in the chat that the members of Congress were paid, former members of Congress were paid twenty thousand dollars each to attend. Um, so sure, make I'd a, be won over by twenty thousand dollars to sit around all day for a week. Exactly. Make of that what you will, folks. And then they're gonna apparently they're gonna take their findings to Congress. Uh, the real Congress. Yeah. They're gonna. They're gonna. My understanding of all this is they're gonna saturate Congress with these DVD sets, which in and of itself, again, the the idea works. I don't like the execution of it. Um, you know, if, if someone gave me a ten-hour DVD set, I would say thank you, and it would sit and collect dust. Who has? This isn't Breaking Bad. No one's gonna binge watch uh, yeah. a ten-hour. Congressional hearing on UFOs, unless you're that, already yeah. really into UFOs, and then it's again UFO porn. That that you'd love that, you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah. wow. So just because it impresses you doesn't going to mean it's going to impress everybody else. That's exactly. The, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, that, that's that's internet anything. That's writing 101 or whatever, publicity 101 or even before that, it's elementary stuff. It's the, you know, mm. yeah, too long didn't, too long didn't watch. Exactly. Um, <laughs> ELDW. So then they're going to, they're going to trump up a lot of publicity when this happens later on this month. And, um, the, and the other, the next stage, I guess, is to, to go to the UN and try and, uh, you know, Jerry rig some kind of UN, uh, hearing of some kind. I'm sure that's been tried before, but they're going to try it again. So who knows? We'll see. Well, yeah, and on the basic end of this, which is something I think I mentioned before, other people have too, is if, you're, <laughs> if you've already decided what you're looking for, that's what you're going to get. And if you, you know, even if that's not what it is, hmm. if you already decided the government has to announce what you think is the right thing and they don't want to announce that they're covering it up, or if they announce something that doesn't jibe with what you think it is in the first place, that's a cover-up too. So it's it's kind of it, it, in a certain way it's kind of doomed I think because I don't think you know aliens coming from other planets and visiting us in structured craft is 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 the answer which is why I'm such a big fan of that let's let's impose some other you know some other idea on it and see if that changes it exactly well you make a good point I want to make this point too because we've gotten flack at times about our cynical look at at this whole thing but. Just because we think that it's a difficult problem to solve doesn't mean you should try and doesn't mean you should stop trying to solve it. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm disinterested in most of it, but there's mm. little parts of it like we've just been talking about here that I am. I, I'm I'm still very interested. This is just not too many people, and um, to do it myself like I would have maybe fifteen, ten or fifteen years ago is not as much of a you know uh, a priority for me. Yeah, it, it must not be. I mean, I. I 
I went and spent a year and a half of my life basically spending all my spare time getting a pilot's license. Now that's done, so I can move on and do some other stuff. We all know you did that to chase UFOs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to chase a UFO in a plane that's going 120 miles an hour. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> George Zimmerman. Twerking. Paula Dean. Twerking. Duck Dynasty's Phil Robertson. Twerking. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Pope Francis. Twerking. Five-month-old Prince George. Twerking. Crack-smoking Mayor Rob Ford. Twerking. I think I asked you this off the air when we were catching up a while ago, but uh, as a pilot, are you are you uh, subject to the JNAP thing, or is that just Air Force? I presume it's just Air Force pilots, but is there some kind of... If it's... Yeah, Any regulation still, at all involving if you see a UFO, you're allowed you're allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Not that I can see. I go go through the uh, Federal Aviation Regulations Airman's Information Manual, okay. which is this big fat like thousand page book. Right. There is not one word in it about UFOs. <laughs> That's amazing! Wow. You'd think they'd at least have some kind of hotline Wait, to call, but I guess not. I don't know. I, you know what? I can say that. But let me actually open the book and look in the index and see if it says anything about unidentified flying objects. That would—that's an interesting question. I mean, you can go ahead with your. Uh, no, I was just thinking. Bit, but I'm, I'm going to look it up. That would be the perfect place for disclosure. You're going to open it up to page 308 or whatever, and it's going to say, "By the way, UFOs are real, so be careful out there." You know, you could run into one. So that's all. I think somebody would have pointed that out. I know. Hey, look at this. I know. That's <laughs> Uh, uh, it goes from UAT to ultralight vehicles. No UFOs. No unidentified. No unmanned aircraft systems. Unpowered ultralight. United States. Okay. Oh, here we go. Unidentified flying object UFO. Interesting. All right. It is mentioned. I want to see what it says. Well, let's do it. Okay, page 926. Wow. 2012. Uh, Federal Aviation Regula- Regulations Aeronautical Information Manual. Unidentified Flying Object Reports. Section 764. A. Persons wanting to report UFO unexplained phenomena activity should re- contact a UFO unexplained phenomena reporting data collection center, such as, get this, Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Study. Studies. Wow. That's the first one, and it's got it's it's got it it's got a uh, voicemail and email, or the National UFO Reporting Center, etc. Peter Davenport, awesome. Yeah, if concern is expressed that life or property might be endangered, report the activity to local law enforcement department. Wow, exactly what you think it would say. Although it's surprising that they put Bigelow Aerospace first. It's probably the people at FAA that were writing it, going looking up on the internet, and the first thing that came up was Bigelow. It's like okay. Which that's, is weird because that's you know that's Bigelow has taken over MUFON. Has he taken it over? Ago. I hear all kinds of stories about that. I thought they were, I thought he tried. I thought he was working with them, and then MUFON was. Oh well, really? Was, the last I heard, he taken it over. Then I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. But okay, there's there's a first for uh, Ben All of America. The actual <laughs> entry on UFOs in the uh, aviation manual for all private pilots and well, to, all pilots actually. To his credit, uh, your guest on the show next time, Red Pill Junkie, he uh, he actually mentioned it. So he called it ahead of time as you were reading it. He called it Call Bigelow. So apparently, Bigelow is uh, that's amazing. That make that you talk about conspiracies. You want to get into that whole thing? That's amazing. Yeah. 
You wonder what and that's... And for fairness, they put Peter Davenport on there, which I thought was cool. They did not put MUFON on there. They did not put anybody else. Um, Davenport or... But the thing is, that, like you said, like I said, that's probably the first two things that come up when you do an internet search, like UFO reporting yeah. for pilots. Oh, Bigelow, Davenport, then down the list, yeah, KUFOs, MUFON, um, or a local one, but um, not as... Uh, not as uh, important or you know or whatever. I mean, yeah. not as professional. I don't know, like a lo- like a local chapter of something that would say that's interesting, and a lot of annoying people would ask you questions, and that would be it. Yeah, they're like that's very interesting. Can you meet us in the Taunton Public Library on the third Tuesday of the month so we can talk about it? Yeah. Like, no, I can't. I have things to do. I should have mentioned I'm in the midst of a blizzard right now, so it's even more exciting being on the air live. At- that might have been why I lost my phone line there for a moment. So. Oh, okay, yeah, I just saw that. It's I think Don Ecker has problems with that on Blog Talk because he said the weather often screws up his. Uh, I think he uses Blog Talk. Weird. Often screws up his um, live uh, his live internet uh, cast. Okay, we'll move to the next uh, big story here. I only have uh, five stories and a few honorable mentions. So I mean, we've covered the big the big tent poles of the of the field, and I, I connected this one with the first one in a way. If if the Snowden thing was the big boost in the arm for parapolitics and conspiracy theory and confirmed all their stuff, uh, then well, not all their stuff, but you know what I mean. Uh, the Boston bombing and and all the Sandy Hook fallout, because that was almost all entirely 2013, really just made all the terror conspiracy type folks look kind of like clowns or uh clowns isn't a nice way to put it i thought i thought they kind of uh as i say here callous disregard for life disguised as being a truther for the greater good which i think when people and my real issue and i really ranted about this on the show after the boston bombing is the, the people that make this out to be like it was all a big hollywood production and it wasn't real it's like no real people died man like real kids yeah. died in that school shooting and real real people died and people lost their legs and stuff in that bombing it's not yeah. fake i don't get and yeah. that drives me up the wall and these people who say uh, all this stuff about crisis actors this is like some new thing that came about this year really i mean i'm sure it was yes, around yeah i've heard that one yeah i I've, I've had i've heard that one actually applied to um dry runs for uh uh you know uh, what is it, martial law or whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I, I feel like, I guess the, the, the gist of it, the big point of all that, uh, my contention, is that these terror conspiracy people just went way overboard to the point where no one really takes them seriously anymore. And in the years after 9-11, people at least kind of took the idea remotely seriously. And I'm not talking about the mainstream media, but just in general. Yeah. And now it's like all a big joke. The whole idea of false flag is turned into a big joke and inside job, all that stuff is is like internet memes for for goofy stuff. So tell those Telos people with the with the t-shirt not to come in the room. Exactly. Exactly. It's the Telos people all over again, but they've they've infiltrated the the terror conspiracy folks and and people confuse sometimes i'm not saying that there aren't conspiracies involving these things i'm kind of skeptical but i'm open to listening but once it goes way off the deep end yeah it goes off the rails nobody really wants to listen you know makes you kind of wonder you know is 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 this part of the conspiracy to have really crazy people just you know and not and it's not like that hasn't been tried in the past right that's i've thought that i've thought that like this whole thing really worked in a big way to undermine the whole idea of a terror conspiracy. So yeah. you wonder really who's behind it all. 
Um, it's, it's <laughs> well, if there is anybody behind that, it, I think exactly. you can count on, what's that, the never underestimate the intelligence of the, whatever, the P.T. Barnum thing. It's, it, it just, people see conspiracies and stuff where it's just like, in a lot of places, just incredibly callous stupidity. Hmm. It's like you can't believe people can be that dumb. So it must be a conspiracy. No, people. A lot of people are that dumb. You know, not a lot, but the uh, uh, people that, that scream the loudest. That that's one of my like main. That's like if I had a Ten Commandments, that would be one of them. The 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 the, the most fanatical people on either side of the thing are the only people you're going to hear about because they yell the loudest. It's like that thing about you know the, the loudest person in the room controls the room. The, mo- the most emotional person in the room controls the room because nobody can listen to anything else while they're while they're screaming. Yeah, well, the, uh, he cut in just at the right time in a sense because uh, I started sort of getting deeper into this theoretical conspiracy theory, and you know, once you do that, it's turtles all the way down. The further you get yeah. into it, <laughs> exactly. Because if these people did this, it's for that and this and the other thing, and and at some point you've completely lost the plot. And my yeah. my general idea is that people do bad things, and the government sees this, and they say this is a good opportunity for us to do this, which we wanted to do for a long time, and now this guy did something stupid, so now we can do it. I mean that's the conspiracy theory that actually kind of holds water because it's just human nature. Yeah, or elements of the government. People look at yeah. the government as the government, like this right, right. monumental, uh, uh, huge thing that's 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 uh, one thing. No, it's a bunch of different people with a bunch of different interests doing a bunch of different things. Exactly. That in, lady in at general, the town hall. To think, huh? The lady at the town hall who has your birth certificate is the government. So, but she's not in on Sandy Hook. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, I think a lot of these, like you said, a lot of them might be used. But most of them aren't set up. I venture to say almost all of them are not set up. And it goes to the whole thing, the kid who shot up the theater, and then this kid who shot the elementary school, and everyone was like, oh, they're going to take away our guns. The beginning of the year was guns, guns, guns. And nothing's changed. They didn't take away the guns, so... Uh, it's a lot There's of a lot of inertia in this country for that would be would have to happen for that to happen, and it won't. And what would happen is a lot of people would probably like take to the hills, and there'd be more terrorists than you could ever you know keep track of. If that was the case, the government said, "Oh, you got to turn in all your guns." Yeah, millions of people would say, "Oh no, you don't," and a few thousand would really say, "Oh no, you don't," and we'd see all kinds of weird stuff going on. Pretty much, that's. You got an t- inclination to that, uh, even when all the news was going around, people yeah. started getting all crazy about it. But I'd like to see it regulated more personally, but I don't really see how you can do it. Um, really, the scary part is because they talk about uh, these shootings and everything. The scary part is really how underreported it is. I, I think I saw like a statistic or, or, or a gallery or something like that of just crazy gun events of the year, that you don't even, you know, something down in Louisiana, or just to be fair, you know, something in Ohio, or whatever. It's not a regional thing. It's just all over the country, people are, you know, crazy people going into their work and shooting three or four people, and then they kill themselves. It happens all over the place. Uh, Yeah. Not to the degree that you hear on the news, even though it is a big problem. So it's spooky. Yeah. Which is, like I said, I mean, it, it, it... 
you get to a certain point if you're you're a reasonable person you think there's got to be some kind of control on this and i don't know what that would be extreme psychological testing uh a limit on how many you can have who needs 30 guns you know stuff like that yeah but then um, you see there's things probably of, people listening listening or will listen later that's going what is gun control advocate it's like i'm yeah i am i'm not a gun elimination advocate i just think that, that there need to be something done but i'm not sure what it is i think it has to do with mental health more than guns but the gun yeah, is just yeah it does a lot, lot more with yeah the way that people are perceived treated um and People's awareness, people around them, their awareness of what the person's doing or how they're feeling or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the answer is, except possibly to have a longer waiting period or, um, like I say, you know, check somebody's background on, for the psychological background or you know, yeah. make it a lot harder to do. You know, it should be a lot harder to get a driver's license. It should be a lot harder to get guns. You know, it's really hard to get a pilot's license. I was just gonna say, look how long it took you to get the pilot's license. So. As a pilot, at least it was for me. As a as a as a pilot, what do you? I think it was all a publicity stunt. This is still a year in review, so this works in a way. How ridiculous was this Amazon drone thing? It was ridiculous. They're never going to do that. I don't know why anybody even gave it any time of day. It was a huge publicity stunt. And they're never going to do. They're never going to deliver stuff to people's houses by drone. I'll say it right now, on the 2013 year in review, it will never happen. So yes, I, I agree with you. And I, when I first saw that, I goes, "Where's it's from the Onion, right?" <laughs> <laughs> That's where the story's from. No, it was from Amazon. It's just, oh, then it's a publicity stunt. Yeah, the first, like somebody pointed out the like two seconds after I first saw that announcement, the first time it falls on somebody, it's the uh, that's the end of it. But the thing, it's not going to get to that point. Right. Well, what made me think of it was the this message here or this post in the chat by Red Pill Junkie. Uh, he was making a joke about. Uh, guns. He says he needs a 3D printer to print infinite guns. That's the that's the thing. Once once this 3D printer thing takes off, uh, I think it'll outpace the development of getting drones to people's houses. So if you want to buy a book from Amazon or a pair of shoes or something, you can just print it up on your 3D printer. I mean that's a little more realistic, and even though that's crazy futuristic. Yeah. Yeah. Here's 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 three dollars so that I can I can print these whatever they are on my. Um, you can't print ammunition, so you'd have to go buy that. Yeah, I just mean in, I, I was still talking about the uh, the Amazon thing, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. The three yeah. D printer will change a whole bunch of stuff in the world if they once they get once they get the information all straightened out. Yeah, or the yeah, or the, everybody can have one. Right, and that'll, that'll happen. I mean, probably in ten years, probably you'd be able to print out just almost anything. It's a leap, but look at the HDTV thing. You're you're in the Stone Age if you don't have HDTV. So right, and now they're now they're trying to push 4K TV instead of 2K. What the hell's four? Uh, what the hell's 4K TV? It is a it is a resolution on the t- an high high def the next re- you know generation of high resolution, um, which is basically indistinguishable from. It's got the I believe what the my. My uh, uh, description of it is it is has the same color and you know uh, the same color latitude as film. Wow! Which means that they can shoot stuff on video now, and it's in many ways indistinguishable from not indistinguishable, but it has the same. You can do the same things with it used to be able to do with film, or very nearly. There's, there's different parameters, but um, it's not like there's going to be 
you know, bit mapping or or what's the word, aliasing or whatever in the picture, yeah. where there's little blocks or where you get close enough and you can see it's a picture. It'll be like looking at a piece of film. Interesting. Or very close to it. So, yeah, that, that's that's the next generation of TVs. We we already have them at work where I work with the video. Oh, nice. We, I don't know. We don't have the TVs, but we have the we have the media that that delivers that resolution. All right. We'll keep an eye out for that, folks. Yeah, I mean, I've already seen ads around LA. Sony 4K TV, the next you know generation of high definition or something. The final. Everything's the final. The final yeah. generation. Of high definition. <laughs> Wasn't that the, the war to end all wars? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so was so was high def. So was. So was uh, Philo T. Farnsworth uh, broadcasting a TV image in 1929 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, that's about it on the Boston bombing. Obviously, because it's from my neck of the woods, I, I took serious uh, issue with it and felt deeply personal yeah. about it. So I just yeah, found I, I would too, and I see it. I don't know much more about the bombing except for there's a bunch of weird unanswered questions about it, and there always are with these kind of things, and... And it was terrible, and uh, it's used as an excuse for a lot of crap. Exactly. That pretty much sums it all up. Yeah. Um, let's just hope it doesn't happen again. You know, not just just uh, it was weird. I mean, that was the first bad, obviously not a bad. There, there will course. be more bombing. Yeah, that was the no first like that. major event that I can think of that was intentionally like people. You remember uh, right after the Boston bombing, then some kind of fuel plant like blew up in. Texas, and it was a massive thing. It looked like a mushroom cloud. It was intense. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people died, and people. It, it obviously, was a tragedy. And people on yeah. on Facebook and stuff are like, oh, three people died in Boston, but two dozen died in Texas. Why isn't the media talking about that?" It was like because one was an accident, and one was done on purpose. Like, the, yeah. don't you see the difference? Yeah, and one has a lot more emotional impact than than. Uh... You know, then uh, something that is that you that has happened before and will happen again. The the Boston bombing was a sort of a new kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what I always wondered, and I'm I'm gonna I'll probably get in trouble by the NSA for saying so, and I've said it you know before and on my show is why isn't anybody going around like the DC snipers? If you really want to be a terrorist and shut down a city, that would be all you'd have to do. So either one that it's you know it's not as big of a threat as we thought. Two, the NSA or whoever's doing a really good job and thwarting this stuff before it happens. Or three, it's just nobody's thought of it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think that's the least likely of, you know. But it's probably some combination of the first two. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, I'll, I'll also tread lightly here. But you, you, you said pretty much the same thing in a way earlier where – in. And and they said it after this happened in Boston, and it is true. In other countries, things like that happen on a daily basis. Astonishing that that hasn't come to America yet, and it's a testament to the people that live in those countries uh, that they can live under those circumstances. So, right. It's pretty, uh, you know, it's it's. But, you know, it probably will, and it'll get a little, it'll probably get a little worse before anything gets better. I think. I hope not. Well, that's a good segue to the government shutdown and the polarization of politics. That was my final big, big story. It was another one that actually people cared about because it affected them and just emblematic yeah. of all the stuff that's wrong in America today. Just people caring about all the wrong stuff, politics being turned into a reality show. And I feel like this – I know yeah. people say the economy is getting better, but I feel like we've just regressed to a level where we feel like it's getting better and people can still all go see – 
uh, Anchorman 2, but <laughs> they they kind of they've adopted their life to to being sort of uh, I don't know the standard of living feels less than it used to be, or, or something like that. I, I can't put my finger on it, but something still feels quite off about the country. Yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna be keep going off until people realize that it's too late. Um, in many respects, I hope that doesn't happen. But you know, I, uh, when everybody has to check in every twenty miles on the highway and all wear the same clothes and all that, they'll go, "Hey." Yeah. But by then it might be too late. I I hope that doesn't happen. And by doing your show and talking to people and having people listen and think about these things, that it it helps people be aware and kind of go, hey, wait a second, no, absolutely not at some point, I hope. But I, I think that the, the, the thing that drives all this, that the, 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 you know, the sin that drives all this, and I'm not talking in a religious context, yeah. is greed. That was, yeah. Mm-hmm. You hit it. Cause I think it's exactly probably, you know, that probably, it stems, that is what everything stems from, is, is greed. And not just the greed of people at the top, but the greed of people at the bottom with this stupid false hope idea that they have a chance to be be one of those people you don't <laughs> you know you you if you do it's exceed, exceedingly unlikely exactly this is the issue i've mentioned this to other people uh, i don't know if it's off the air or on or just in general conversation at the bar or whatever but it's the people that make like 50 grand a year they identify more with the people that make millions of dollars a year than the people that make 20 grand a year. They look down on the people that make 20 grand a year and they make like 50 grand a year and you, they don't seem to realize that the, the gulf is huge. The, the the poor are never identified with. They're they're yeah. never people don't realize that it's that they're all in the same uh boat in a way. Yeah. So. I saw that there's a video that went around it's still going around about how I think it's from somebody in MIT about what the real disparity in wealth is in America, and it's it's way 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 worse than people think, and it's way 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 different than it was even ten or twenty years ago. Like the top, you know, and they showed it in a bar graph. Like the top one or two percent are own like sixty percent or something like that of the wealth. Something absolutely ridiculous that you wouldn't even think. You think, oh, because they said what do they ask people, what do you think is the distribution? It's like, well, the top top 1% own like 30 or 40%. No, it's like 50 or 60%. And the 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 poorest people don't even show up on the graph. Yeah. Because it's so they could they own so little of the, you know, uh, of the wealth in the country that it, they don't even show up on the graph anymore. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh the disparity. And if that disparity continues, well it's it's not like, oh no, it's going to be a problem. It already is a problem. It's way past being sort of a problem then this country will start to look like a third-world country. And some people already think that it is, where there's a bunch of really rich bunch. There's a few really rich people and a shitload of really poor people and really nothing in between, and it just stays like that. It's like a like medieval serfdom or something. It's pretty close, and as long as, like I joked about it, but as long as they keep feeding us uh, entertainment and four major sports leagues, People seem to be okay with it, as crazy as that sounds. At some point, they'll have to they'll wake up to realizing that things gone awry. Yeah, I keep thinking. Well, at least I'm not making bombs. It's like I'm actually helping with that because I work in making video entertainment. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm the circuses part. <laughs> hey, everybody has to play a role in this thing. So, like I said earlier about the uh, Kardashian thing, so everybody's got to you got to eat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's 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 unfortunately the the truth of it, and I haven't been trained for anything else. 
I could be brave and not and go do something. I was going to do um, tours of L.A. based on Weird California. Um, and, and I was trying to do that for a while when I wasn't working, and I realized I'm going to have to make below poverty wages here for quite a while, maybe always, if I continue with this. Yeah. And that, that I, I couldn't. I mean, that, that I was trying it, and then luckily I got a call from a friend of mine and said, you want to come do this work? And I realized no matter how much I don't want to go back to the entertainment thing because I had a bad taste in my mouth about it, it's the only thing I've been trained for. I really can't do anything else. So, you know, I should be, hate to say it, but I think I should be thankful that I have some skill to do something that, or I can make a living at it. You're doing great. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, and, 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 you know, more power to everybody that can, no, no matter what it is. Yeah. Well, unless exactly. it's like building bombs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll do real quick. The honorable mentions, uh, Pope Francis and Prince George, two uh, new players in the End Times reality show. Uh, I, I'm excited about the Pope. I actually kind of like him. Uh, I know that he's a PR your guy. Family, and, is your family Catholic? Uh, yeah, I was I, I was raised Catholic, I guess you could say. I'm kind oh, okay. I've more moved away from that now, but... I, I, as a as, as George a, Carlin said, you reached the age of reason. Exactly. <laughs> as a as a public figure, I find him interesting and likable, which is nice. Um, and as someone who's likes the esoteric realm of all this, you gotta love uh, that he's supposedly the final pope. After this, the world is gonna end. I think it was great that this all happened after the 2012 thing. So it just shines a light on how ridiculous it all is. We've gone from one. To the next, we had no breathing room where the end of the world wasn't on the horizon. Um, and then the little baby uh, Prince George is always palace intrigue. So you, I'm sure there's someone out there that thinks that's the Antichrist. I guess is the. I think there's. I, I'm sure there's people out there that think either one of them is the Antichrist. So we have new, new potential Antichrist candidates uh, coming along. It's like it's like Major League Baseball. Every year, you get a couple of uh, breakout rookies. Yeah, I think the if there is an antichrist, nobody's ever going to hear about it. He's probably wandering around already. Yeah, uh, if you subscribe to that that theory, but yeah, I, I I don't know anything about this this stupid. What's that? The new the the baby from um, what the whatever the royal couple or the royal baby. Or, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I haven't followed it, and I don't care. Just like the um, what'd you say the uh, the fake girlfriend thing. I read up on that. And it was so complicated and so not interesting that I gave up on it. But the the, the point, you know, the the point that you were making that you, that you wanted to discuss about it was that how things have changed to the point where somebody will, even a news organization, will pull something off the internet and not really bother to check it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, somebody from whatever the news organization go to Snopes and check something out. You know, mm. that's like the go-to, like Wiki is the go-to for information. Snopes should be the go-to for, is this fake or not? You may not agree with them, but at least they do some research. To, to one other thing about the Pope that I thought interesting. I have a friend who's a theologian and follows the, the uh, papal intrigue quite a bit. He, uh, oh, yeah. I think his intimation to me was that he wouldn't expect any UFO uh, news out of the Pope. And we haven't had any UFO news out of the Pope. And for someone who's seems so progressive and goes there and says things that you're like, whoa, the Pope said that? You know, it's like, what What do you mean the Pope loves Jay-Z or something? He, he's saying a lot of wild things that people are surprised by. 
he hasn't touched the UFO thing at all. So I mean, we, we've spent years on this program on the Year in Review show talking about the latest uh, from the Vatican with regards to UFOs. So we may be going into a dark period on, in that regard. Maybe so, or maybe he he it, he just doesn't care about it like most people. Right, but I figure he like, must let's get past. What's what's relevant? Getting the Catholic Church um, relevant again. Um, making Catholics care more about each other and other people and other religions and 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 uh, more compassionate, or having the Vatican talk about UFOs. I think the, the priority is to get people treating each other nicely first, hmm. since he's in that position. I would hope that's his thinking, and it seems like it is. I um, should hope so, to, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think the UFO thing should come up. Neither should it with the Pope. Who cares? You know, it's... Uh, it, it, it's much more important to get people to care about each other and, and tamp down that greed thing and the, all that other stuff. Um, it's, it, it's, it's really hard. to You, you kind of think as you get older, it's like, why don't people care about each other anymore? And it seems like it's less and less and less and less. At least when I, the whole time I've been living, it seems like in the last few years people care about each other a lot less. And I, I, so. I don't know yeah. why that is. I, I guess it's the Internet and I sound like, oh, it's that damned Internet and those stupid video games. And it's like... I don't know what it is. I think the people that be... I hang out with and the people I work with and all that, a lot of them younger than me, I, they they do seem like you know smart, caring, compassionate type people, most of them. But the greater society doesn't seem like that to me. Yeah, I agree. It's at it's... least what's projected at us. Yeah, people are under pressure all the time, and it could be the yeah. internet. I mean. You see, on a one-on-one basis or even in groups, people are generally pretty nice. But then you get them on the Internet, and they're saying horrible things in Internet columns and comments. Or even in the public space. Yeah. It's it's really weird. I was on the train last night, and there were these these guys in the back. They were probably in their 20s, maybe late 20s, and they were all playing video games. And it was a nice, quiet train, except these guys yelling at each other. Oh, God. That's not... And I wanted to get up and tase them or something. It was was a horrible thought. (laughs) Actually, what I was thinking was... Is I can't remember why I saw it. it was a cartoon where the, the, um, the superhero would blow, like point a gun at people. It would encase them in a bubble, and you couldn't hear them anymore. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I just like hey, that's all you hear, and they're perfectly fine, and they can breathe and everything. But for the time that you have to hang out with them, you can't hear them. And then you realize that the, I know why people want to be rich because anytime you go to places where people have money, it's quiet. <laughs> They pay for that quiet. That makes sense. I read an article years ago where I think it was Annie Leibovitz or somebody, a, a, a photographer or somebody like that, that did had oh maybe it was a writer, but anyway, she's like writing about what is what are rich people like? You know, this strange race that lives among us, yeah, or lives on the same planet with us. And she said the first thing you notice when you go to any rich people's place is how quiet it is. <laughs> strange, yeah, interesting. If you, if anybody listening has a chance to go to, you know, some nice social, you know, go to somebody's house or somebody's loft or apartment or whatever, and they have a lot of money, just notice how quiet it is. Yeah. I don't know what that is. The more money you have, the quieter you are. The quieter your environment is. Maybe we should try talking about the people trying to conjure the UFO thing there. Maybe, maybe that would be a good thought experiment. If, if I just live a quiet life, maybe I'll become rich. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that, I think that's part of the goal. I think you have to go through a lot of noise, unless yeah. you're born into it, like you know Donald Trump or whatever. People Most, like Donald Trump has a lot of money. No, he doesn't. He's got he's hardly got any money. He's just loud. 
I'd like to see the statistics on it, but I wonder if there's like a generational thing too, where how many people are actually in super rich on their own or was born into it? And I wonder if if we're seeing any sort of demographic change in that regard. Yeah, that is weird. I, I would to make myself feel better, I'd feel like they were born into it. But yeah, there are people that can still surf the system well enough or have a good enough idea to, you know, it, it happens. It, it happens with alarming regularity. Well, you hear all not these... alarming, but it happens with regularity. Um, well, you... I also read an article about how everybody hates Silicon Valley now. They're like the new industrialists that everybody loves to hate. Yeah, I've heard that too. They're kind of yeah. uh, they're they're uh, they're looked down upon by people. Yeah. But it, you wonder too if you hear these stories about to to draw to a sports analogy where like the owner dies and the owner's kid takes over like what's going on in L.A. with the Lakers and things get poorly managed. We wonder if that's what's actually wrong with the country or the world right now where we're actually dealing with the the third generation of people who have the power to rule the planet and they don't know what the hell they're doing because their grandparents yeah, exactly. were the ones who knew what they were doing that put together the whole thing. Yeah, well, they that might not be their avocation to run that thing, but that's the that's the best thing available to them. Like George um, Bush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That like wasn't that. his avocation to be the president of the United States, but that was the best thing available to him, and he was pushed in that direction. And it's who wouldn't want that? Well, I wouldn't, but hmm. what mo- most people who wouldn't want that job really? So it's just kind of like you know, it, it, yeah. You would hope that uh, what's his name. Um, Kim Jong Il's son that runs North Korea now just makes a horrible mess of it. <laughs> he seems to be doing that, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, just just through sheer incompetence, the thing falls apart. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but I can I can wish, I can hope, I can dream, can I? Exactly. Well, just as he's on the teetering brink of uh, of messing things up, he goes and executes a whole bunch of people, and so it's, he has to start fresh all the time. So who knows? Yeah, I, exactly. Um, but it, it, you know, I I think that. These people that are born into this stuff, they're they they can just get along on the inertia of what's going without being you know you, you can be halfway intelligent and keep most of the the machinery going, especially if you have good people around you, uh, which is probably the the big part of it is that to have some people around you that know what the hell they're doing and can advise you well. Yeah, which, the other which is uh, a uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I was just going to say the other. Uh... The other story I have here, the final thing in the list, was uh, just a sad year for skeptics. I don't know if you looked at any of those links that were listed. I'm not really yes, uh, highly qualified to talk much about it, but I would suggest this to folks who listen to this show or follow the paranormal. I, I still, I'm still kind of looking for the right news source, but uh, follow the skeptical community because they're as crazy and, and scandalous yeah. as, as the paranormal community. And, of course, they don't want us to know about it. Those of us yeah. in the paranormal community, so they keep it all hush hush, just like we, you know, we're not freely telling people in the skeptical community about Phil and Brogno and what he did. You know, we we we, yeah, we try. We and, don't we don't need to, and it's so right. what. So so every every group has their black sheep that they're trying to uh, keep under wraps, and and so I suggest people keep an eye on the skeptical community because yeah, they're they're doing some some wild stuff. Uh, just to to hit the the high notes, there was a sexual harassment scandal, which I thought was really. Remarkable because I'm sure I don't know to the degree of, of which, but I'm sure there's sexual a disparity definitely in the paranormal community. But this this was beyond the pale. Yeah. This yeah. Uh, stuff that they were talking about. Yeah, look at the link on um, on uh, on the on the BOA site there of your of the uh, 
essay that uh, Tim wrote. Yeah, just Google uh, skeptic community sexual harassment. You'll be blown away. And then some other guy who runs a very popular uh, skeptic podcast, turns out he was uh, rigging the system on, on eBay ads and got caught. And yeah, he made like a couple million dollars before they caught him. Exactly, and now he's uh, <laughs> and now he's he's pled guilty to uh, wire fraud in federal yeah. court, so he's probably in trouble. And then and then someone I guess busted out a gun at one of these skeptic conferences over a dispute. So all kinds of wild stuff. I, I want to learn yeah. more about that. So I got to find the right <laughs> avenue to to learn more about these crazy skeptics. Yeah. Surprise, surprise! Uh, fanatics of any stripe have crazy people amongst them. <laughs> exactly. And, and they're fanatics. They're fanatics just the way that UFO and paranormal people are fanatics too. The, the loudest people are the ones you hear out about about and they, they make everybody they make the whole rest of the thing sound nuts. The advantage the skeptical community has is that it's 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 um the uh you know, academia and the press and most reasonable people supposedly side with them. Unfortunately, it, but yeah. Yeah, they've they've you know, they've got the high ground. Whether it's deserved or not, in in some cases, but um, yeah, they're just as full of fanatics and and uh, what's the word deniers or whatever that, that any any other group is. And then there's you know the silent people that are more circumspect and try to take each case on its own merits. And I noticed while looking up uh, uh, entries on the, on Wikipedia about zeteticism, which is a type of uh, skepticism that I admire, which means you know, basically it's let's examine each thing on its own merits before making up our mind. And then maybe even more importantly, when you get to the end of that, it's important to be able to say we haven't made up our mind yet. But I, uh, that's what I used to see on Wikipedia and a couple other places about that you know, uh, idea, uh, scientific idea of philosophy, zeteticism. Yeah. Um, and now I look at it and there's nothing about we should be... A, it's been changed somehow. I think some skeptics went in and changed it. <clears throat> now it says, you know, what I just said, except it leaves off the part about we should be able to um, leave something up in the air if we can't find enough ev- evidence before, for or against it and continue to probe and wonder and uh, research and test if we can. Or if we can't, just leave it. Um, uh, important part of zeteticism, if people want to look it up, is that it, like I said, it should you, you should have the right to not have to make a decision. Interesting. And it doesn't mean you believe, and it doesn't mean you, you know, uh, don't believe. It means you don't know yet. Interesting. Well, I was uh, told that the the sad year for skeptics that I wrote about was actually just the tip of the iceberg. But we'll we'll see if I find out anything. <laughs> what else. a surprise! Yeah, I know. Of course. I know. And 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 as I, I threw one final jab in at them, uh, you know, like they like to to diss on the paranormal community. But just like the paranormal community, uh, as I say here, the skeptics closed out their year having mostly forgiven or forgotten the foibles of their field for the year. So, you know, they've moved on. Of course they do. I mean, it's, it's, it's every every group does that. Yeah. They, in the interests of keeping their interest alive, interests alive, they will, you know, push away, forgive, whatever, so they can continue whatever, you know, work they have, um, good, bad, or whatever. Well, it's frustrating. There's a lot of good parts of skepticism. There's a lot of bad parts of it, and some of it should be listened to by the paranormal community. A lot of it should. I agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, You know, keep an eye on them. But they, they, they have a way of rubbing me the wrong way at times. But what else is new? Yeah. 
What did you you said you had some thoughts here on the year, uh, some stories that you thought were interesting? What what uh, I've caught. We, we took quite a while here, but we got about twenty minutes left. So what what stuff you got? Well, they let's see the story about Paul De Podesta being hired by Obama to be in his cabinet. He's the one that worked for Clinton that called for UFO disclosure. Yeah, he was and the, the big disclosure UFO. people are very excited. What? He was the big UFO guy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. He also, I did not know this, he wrote the foreword for Leslie Keene's um, Disclosure Book. It's not really a disclosure book, but it no, was... I know which book. one you mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to bring it up. There's too many other things going on in the Obama administration where UFOs is probably way down the list. I presume um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think he's going to do anything about it, and unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, that's, that's, that's going to be the story with him. But, you know, of course, the... The UFO blogs and sites were all excited about it at first. It's kind of like the disclosure, you know, citizens meeting. It's real exciting, and then next week people forgot about it. Something that happened in the last week was the crop circle in Salinas, California. Okay. You saw that? Did you see that? I saw it. I saw it. I thought it was Did interesting. You see this? Did you hear about this? <laughs> um, there was a crop circle discovered, I think, last Monday, and it's since been the whole field was mowed down and it's gone now. Yeah, but um, there was a crop circle looking thing. It, it did not look like a normal crop. There were some circles, and there was it was a circle around it. But there was like the square thing in the middle. It, to me, it looked like a boom box with braille in it. Um, I've never seen a crop circle like that. And the, the first thing you look at, you go, "That was done by a bunch of people who don't know how to do it yet." Stomping <laughs> down the, you know, and, yeah. and people were very excited about it. It's like, "Oh, look, it's a crop circle." It's like, it's a badly done crop circle by some people with boards and. You know, and and the the only bad thing is nobody got to actually examine the pieces. As far as I know, the pieces of crop to make sure that they weren't, you know, didn't have that heat treatment thing. Right, the nodes, the broken nodes. That's like the yeah. signature. The evidence of of high heat applied. Um, that would make me a little bit more interested. But the, the thing is, as far as I could tell, the crops didn't look interweaved or anything. It did look like they just got stomped down. Um, and it's probably a group of people. It's pretty big. Um, but there was a, there was a lot of interest and excitement over it. It makes me want to go out and do a crop circle just to get in. You know, I don't have the time or energy or the inclination or anything. But um, it was just interesting to see how many people were excited about it, and there was even a question about it. Like, oh, is this real or not? And if you look at it, and you've been looking at crop circles for a long time, you go, that's fake. That was done by people with boards. It's messy. Yeah. You know, real, quote-unquote, crop circles are, you know, extremely intricate at least they are now extremely intricate and 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 complicated and if there is some message in them which there might be they delivered a lot more subtly than a braille message that reads out some numbers i think somebody figured out with some numbers this was the one in salinas had braille numbers on it yeah some some people figured out that the the center of it was they thought that it was uh Braille, which aliens are not going to use Braille. Why would a visual medium like crop circles in turn use ve- use Braille? That is, <laughs> you know, it doesn't even make any of that. sense. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh God, that's weird. Anyway, i I don't think i I don't think aliens are making crop circles. I never did. Well, I might have for a little while. I think it's done by somebody who's really good at it and has some kind of technology available. See, that, that doesn't explain the lights flying around on the or in the. Maybe it's a, maybe it's like an epiphenomenon of actually whatever mechanism is used to make them. Um, 
and it doesn't explain people that make crop circles being inside the circle and having weird paranormal type experiences while they're making them. Yeah, there's a weirdness to it uh, that we may. It's kind of like a lot of this phenomena. We may not. We may be asking the wrong questions. We may be looking at it from a wrong perspective. Yeah, I mean, whoever is making them or whatever is going on, I think that they know this. Like, oh, people are going to immediately think this. It's a form of disinformation, I guess, or at least directed uh, perception. Yeah. Okay, so crop circle, that's interesting. Yeah, so that was like within the last week. And then last month they had that, uh, they were drilling that uh, tunnel in Seattle and the drill stopped and hit something. They couldn't figure out what it was. So everybody's saying, oh, it's a crashed alien something or other that's like stopped the drill. But Did they, they ever able... find out what it was? I was? No, I looked it up yesterday. There's, there's, the thing is filled with water and they have to pump the water out. Um, uh, and so they can get either somebody in there to look at it or um, get divers in there to go in this murky water and try and figure out what stopped the, the underground drilling. It's like Jeez. a 54-foot diameter drilling machine. I, yeah, I was I was really into that when it first was coming around, but I actually looked like over the weekend to see if there was any news about it, and there wasn't any. I guess with the no, holidays, there isn't. Too. They haven't figured yeah. it out. It's weird. Uh, they've drilled um, apparently drilled pilot holes into the gr- into the ground ahead of the drill, and they found nothing. So it's like, what the hell did the drill stop on? If they haven't, maybe they just didn't drill the pilot like 110 feet into the ground ahead of it just to see what was what it was hitting, and they didn't find anything yet. So now they got to send people down there to. to Figure it um, out, yeah, because there's yeah. no thing in the, there's no camera in the front of the thing, so they can't yeah, see. Yeah, so they don't know. It reminded me there was a 1967 movie called Quatermass and the Pit, or the United the United States American title was Five Million Years to Earth, and it's about it based on an old TV show in Britain that had come before that about they're drilling a they're digging a new part of the London subway underground. Mm-hmm. And they they hit this thing and they don't know what it is and this guy has to go down and figure out what it is and it's like an it's like a Martian yeah I've heard the story Martian yeah. spaceship that's buried underneath the ground and as soon as they open it up the the guy can there's like you know visions of these Martians running around they all look like grasshoppers and it starts affecting people in London until they like short it out with a large crane or something like that you know yeah uh, but it reminded me of that story <laughs> it's pretty wild I, yeah I remember reading the funny part. Uh... The I was laughing at the coverage in a sense because they had like sort of they talked to normal everyday people in Seattle that had all these great ideas about what it might be and then the the, the final sort of thing was like an engineer and he was like it's probably just a rock yeah so which I'm afraid it probably will turn out to be but who knows yeah it's pretty weird though I mean I like I like the weird stories yeah I like that story a lot those are the three things I looked up sorry that was all it was <laughs> that's fine that's fine that, hey. I Those think we covered very recent though. We covered most of the stuff. I mean, uh, my my buddy Jeremy Vanny ma- mentioned to me the uh the Stephen Greer alien story. That was kind of big, but I ca- I can't imagine really it was another one of these stories that really never went anywhere and uh turned out to be a lot of hokum and and got a lot of publicity, but didn't really and and again it was kind of another one of those stories that was kind of silly. It was like a little a little alien. It, it wasn't really, I don't know, I couldn't really take it very seriously, and I think the media didn't take it very seriously either, because it was a tiny little alien. So. Yeah, if if you mention Stephen Greer's name, all those adjectives you came up, came up with are always attached to. Silly, um, uh, crazy, uh, 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 what are the other things you said? Exciting for a little while, maybe, but none, doesn't really amount to much. It's like, 
if you see Stephen Greer's name anywhere, it's like unless you want something to laugh at for a while, you should just ignore it. It's that's the main thing about everything we've been talking about here, and you, you mentioned it earlier. It's like let's let's concentrate on stuff that's that might have something to do with whatever mystery we're looking at that is moving it forward maybe, or at least moving it in another direction, or at least moving it in another direction for you hmm. personally. So I think it's a very personal relationship you have with the, with the, uh, with the phenomenon. It's, it's this weird thing. But I've gotten to the point where I, and a lot of people, they get to this point, to the point where they just stop. But you start filtering out huge amounts of stuff that you're just like, oh, this again, oh, this again, oh, this again. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like crying wolf. The next time they do it, it's just going to be a bunch of noise signifying nothing again. So you, you move on. Or, you you know, I hear vague rumors about somebody trying to change the phenomenon to to a different kind of perception from us. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Or, you know, I hear about, you know, at the time, uh, what was his name? James Carrion who was head of MUFON for a while, trying to organize everything so that they could get all the database in one place and start messing with it. That's exciting to me, too, personally. It might not be exciting to the media. It might not be exciting to other people that I know that are still involved in the field, but it's exciting to me, so I pay attention to that. So if somebody says, well, how, don't, how come you didn't know about whatever? you know, The this, little alien, this, yeah. Yeah, the little alien, which I kind of yeah, uh, was you, aware of. Yeah. Or how come you didn't know about this recent sighting in China or whatever? It's like... Because it's another sighting, and all it is is some more porno, and it doesn't advance anything except in the fact that we can pull all the data out of it and stick it in the database. Hmm. It's uh, yeah. I've been. We 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 need to. Obviously, we're right at the end here, but we someday we need to. I, mean, I want to have you back on the show uh, between seasons to do a, a rehash, sort of revisiting of of your stuff that we had you on the very first season to talk about so we'll definitely do that later on this year sure i'm sure i've said a lot of things that are, are going to embarrass me later and i'm glad i said them on your show oh <laughs> <laughs> on that on that uh aspect i'll quickly do my hot or not uh in the world of the esoteric going into 2014 and i was thinking yeah. that i never keep track of these things so i could be completely wrong that's that's kind of why i said on that note i may be I may look back on these and, and say oh, I was really wrong uh, five years ago, but I have no idea. Someone should go look these up and find out if I ever get these right. But uh, going into 2014, hot, geopolitical conspiracy, uh, more Snowden stuff, uh, tensions, North Korea, the Sochi thing. I think we'll see some kind of weirdness with Sochi and the Olympics. I hope not, but who knows? You're already seeing the bombings going off over there. So geopolitical conspiracy, hot. Uh, not terror conspiracy. All this stuff with the uh, what are they? Crisis actors and false flag, and that's kind of oversaturated and worn itself out. Um, yeah. Hot. Still the UFO disclosure activism, just because I was telling you about their plan to saturate uh, Congress. So I think that that'll probably still generate most of the headlines. Let's say that's why it's hot. Yeah. Um, not UFO science. I don't think we're going to really see anything promising in the realm of UFO science unfortunately that's that's if I could put a if I was one of those people I'd put a little unhappy emoticon after that note yeah I think that's the case uh hot Bigfoot in pop culture they just do a new show on Spike the 10 million dollar Bigfoot chase and yeah. it's only January so I think we're going to see more Bigfoot stuff uh warming space science that's kind of my dark horse prediction here 
mm-hmm. feel like space science, people are getting more into it now, and gravity alone. The movie Gravity Alone is enough to turn people on to this coolness yes. of space. So I think the coolness of space will be a thing uh, in 2014 and, and going forward. Um, Red, Pill Jun- Red Pill Junkie, I'll give him credit here. Legalization of drugs. We'll see something like that. And As I was putting together the whole thing, you just don't know what it's going to be in a way, because uh, as you heard from the intro to the show, it was Snowden, Snowden, Snowden. No one even knew anything about all that last year. No one even knew who this guy was. Now he's a household name. So that's the exciting part about the new year. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we don't know who's going to be the big story. We don't know anything, obviously. You know, Sean David Morton might, but uh, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked me to ask you about Sean David Morton, but we don't have time for that. So uh, if you want to, if you if you want to tie it into what's next for you, go for it. Uh, what's you know what do you have cooking for 2014? Uh, nothing except working on a couple of books and possibly going back out to New Mexico to figure out if I want to do another one. Um, other than that, still doing my show. It's been on kind of a hiatus. I never like have a planned hiatus. It's just times where I get busy with other stuff and it falls by the wayside. Red Pill Junkie is going to be on on Sunday. Um, Albert Rosales will be back on nice. so that we can have a full two hours with him. Have you had him on yet? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, you ought to have him on. He's a lot of fun. And, um, and you know, I'll probably have Bob Emenegger back on because I like him a lot, and we never run out of things to talk about, even if it has, if it has nothing to do with UFOs. And maybe a couple of high, higher-profile people like, like Tim has had on in the past that I've lagged quite far behind on. Um, that's what I'm planning for the show. I plan to keep doing the show, and it's, like I said, one of the few things that just kind of keeps me keeps my toe in the – paranormal esoteric ufo thing which it, it still interests me just in a lot more narrow you know thing i'm not I'm, i don't have guests on that that don't interest me hey I, I have somebody on that i really want to talk to that really interests me somebody says hey could you please have Stephen greer on or something nobody ever has but i'd say no <laughs> yeah i don't want to talk to him I, I, have, I have nothing to ask him that would be interesting to me um that's why i put your show over so much man it's like a kindred spirit to uh boa audio it's a it's yeah. a it's a chase. It's a personal journey, and that's what yeah, I like about exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. And if if other people like it, then you know, then so be it, and that's great. And it, but that's it's your little vehicle, you know. It's the thing. It's your it's your instrument, you know. Hmm. The thing you use to push you forward and help you learn and make you the person you are, and all that is interacting with other people in the form of a of a of audio, and that that you know and. When that's happening, other people can get on that, you know, hop on that boat for a ride for a little while, maybe for a long while, and, it, and it's great. Awesome. Anybody that does anything important or interesting, that's what they're doing. They're doing it for themselves. They're not doing it for, you know, uh, even altruistic people that help people. They're doing that for themselves, too, because it makes them feel good to help people. So, you know. Exactly. Very selfish. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, on that note, we got uh, like two minutes left. Thank you so much, dude, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's always a blast. And like I said, I want to get you on for a pure paranormal uh, conversation where we're not shackled by the year in review. So we'll definitely do that sometime this year. Okay, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I noticed this year it wasn't the paranormal year in review. It was the everything year in review, which I actually had to do some research on. It's evolved over the years to what it is now, which I think is... Just trying to find the stuff that actually makes a difference and, and and getting all the you know, wacky snake found in someone's basement. Uh it's not it's not worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um 
I, I got to thank all the folks in the chat room. We had a we had a great turnout in the chat room. Um, for the for the folks listening in the chat room, for the folks listening live, for the folks listening on delay, let me know. I guess uh, it doesn't make a difference to those folks, but uh, let me know what you think of this time slot. I really am liking this 2 p.m. in the afternoon slot. It might be better for people. Uh, they can listen at work. It's better for me. I feel like I have a lot more energy than I normally do uh, at, on the nighttime live show. So it might be something I'm considering uh, making the switch and. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I got about be a minute. Better for me, certainly, right now. What's that? It's better for It'd you. Be better for me, certainly, right now with my work schedule. Yeah. Exactly. It'll be better to get other folks on, international guests and stuff like that too. So, and I don't ever want to be tied into one time slot. So I'm giving it some thought. And sort of speaking of the future of the show, I'm taking a bit of a hiatus myself. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take a couple of weeks to unwind from the holidays because uh, I put out shows all through the holidays and barely had time to get my life together. So I want to enjoy the next, like, two or three weeks and tape a ton of uh, backlog shows to roll out in 2014. Uh, And we've only got a handful of seconds left, so I'll include the uh, normal run of plugs after the live show is over. Thanks once again to Greg for coming on the show. Thanks to all the folks who tuned in live, and thanks to all the folks who are tuning in later. I'll be talking to you soon, my friends. All right, thanks, Tim. Okay. There goes the live audience. Let me just throw in the plugs. Uh, if you're just hearing us on Blog Talk somehow or on some other place where you don't know how you found us, we are Benal of America. You can find out more about us at banalofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. We're also on Facebook. Just punch in Benal of America. That's how you'll find us. We do this show for free. I take time out of my day. The guests take time out of their day, and uh, we put this all out for you for free, sometimes live, sometimes pre-taped. Nonetheless, no matter how we do it, it costs me money. So if you could help me out, that would be great, because obviously the program is free. Uh, Head on over to Banal of America. Click the PayPal button. They'll walk you through the process. It's safe, secure, and simple. But if you don't trust the Internet, you can also mail us a donation to the P.O. Box. You can find that at Banal of America. Obviously, as I mentioned, probably going to take a couple of weeks off here to relax, but you never know. We may throw a live one out there. If something comes up, something breaks, we might want to do a live show, but kind of want to relax a little bit over the next couple of weeks and tape some programs for future editions of BOA Audio. Stay tuned to Banal of America and BOA on Facebook for more information on that. We did do a special live good parade last night that's not on the Banal of America podcast feed because they are very different audiences but if you want to get the good parade episode from last night i'll post it on the good parade podcast feed and with all that said thank you very much folks for tuning in have a great night or day wherever you may be this is tim at thanking you once again for listening and signing off